the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Yes, it is, and welcome back as we head into Hour 2 this Monday, May 23rd. It is a delight to do so, as we always do every Monday, with Brandon J. Weikert. He is the author of Winning Space, How America Remains a Superpower, also author of the upcoming book, The Shadow War, Iran's Quest for Supremacy. He'll be out a little bit later this year. He's a columnist at The Washington Times, The Asia Times, American Greatness, Sunday Guardian, and... Um, he joins us every Monday to talk a little foreign policy, defense policy, and domestic policy. Brandon, welcome back. Hope you had a great weekend. I I did, and right now I'm taking cover from a torrential Florida summer downpour. The sky just opened up on us, so if you hear any splashing in the background, it's it's from that. If you hear any barking on my end, it's because I have Dagny <laughs> the Wonder Dog in studio. So now that we're, now now with all the disclaimer. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of disclaimers, I want to get to your column in American Greatness, but got to do Taiwan first. Another yeah. example of the White House having to cover <laughs> and retract from the president. But I don't know. The president sets policy. Is he out of it or is he issuing new policy? Tell us what happened with regard to Taiwan this morning. Well, so basically, uh, President Biden uh, made a statement that uh, when he was asked, you know, what would the U.S. response be to a uh, potential Chinese attack on Taiwan, his response was, we would, we would, so, so he said, we would follow the, the, the agreement that we made, uh, which is basically the Taiwan Relations Act of 1979, which was created by Congress in response to what both majorities in both houses and in both parties at the time were very unhappy with the Carter administration uh, basically normalizing relations with China by sacrificing Taiwan's uh, status as an independent uh, uh, nation. It remains a sovereign nation today, but it, it does not have the same type of legal protection that other nations do. It's sort of in a quasi-nation status. And so Congress created the Taiwan Relations Act to sort of counteract uh, the Carter administration, what it thought was a short-sighted uh, decision. And basically that agreement is a legal binding agreement that says basically the United States is on the hook for helping to defend Taiwan should China invade. And that's what Biden was referencing when he was asked about it. And but it's not it exactly pretty, what he said, is it? No, not quite. Now, he was referencing that, but it was a pretty pro forma response. But what it basically said was that if China attacked, Biden will defend. And of course, that's not at all what the Biden administration wants or will do. So less than 24 hours after he was responding, the president was responding to these questions. The White House had to come out and issue a rebuttal to their own boss saying, well, actually, uh, he was not really saying that what we, what, what we were saying was that we are obligated under this, this Relations Act to basically provide some level of assistance, but we're not on the hook for defending them, not directly, 
And, uh, oh, by the way, this new alliance that, that Biden's in Asia right now trying to cobble together a new anti-China alliance, we're not including Taiwan in that, which is hilarious and utterly imbecilic. And so basically what Biden has done, his administration, they're now effectively talking out of both sides of their mouth, confusing friends and enemies alike. CNN's headline, Biden says U.S. would respond militarily if China right. attacked Taiwan. Time, Biden's vow to defend Taiwan if China invades. AP right. News, Biden, U.S. would intervene with military to defend Taiwan. Now, that is not what the Taiwan Relations Act says. What it says is the U.S. will make available to Taiwan Taiwan such defense right. articles and defense services in quantity as may right. be necessary to enable right. Taiwan to defend itself which is why this is so controversial but he did in his statements he made a comment to the he made a reference to we will uphold our agreement with taiwan right he just isn't sure what the agreement says that's the problem right that's exactly so what i was commenting on twitter this morning when i was reading the transcript as i so often do because i can't listen to him and understand what he's saying i have to often read the transcripts of what he says you don't Uh, need to read the transcripts of what he says brandon just read the transcripts (laughs) of the corrections to what he says by his underlings remember that's what jake sullivan and the like would like. yes remember Uh, we are in a new presidency the first presidency in which the staff covers and makes up for the statements of the president rather than the president correcting things at the staff level. Yes, exactly. It's the opposite of Lyndon Johnson. It's the opposite Uh, of every presidency until now. Yes, and even Carter, yes. Uh, But but what I thought was so interesting, as I commented on Twitter, is even if he was really understanding of the Taiwan Relations Act, that act was written to be so ambiguous that it probably would be more helpful in baking a cake than it would be in actually defending Taiwan, because the the agreement itself is designed to give politicians from both parties maximum wiggle room. Right. Strategic ambiguity, right? Is that the phrase of art? Yeah. Yes, exactly. And basically that that has been the official policy uh, of U.S. government from 1979 onward until Biden's talk yesterday or this morning uh, in which basically it is the official policy of the U.S. government to not articulate an official policy on China-Taiwan relations. And oddly enough, if I can just real quickly make this comment, Anything you oddly like. enough, that was the same policy that the U.S. government had vis-a-vis Iraq and Kuwait in 1990, right up until Saddam Hussein invaded Kuwait, and then the administration at the time, George H.W. Bush, said, you know what, we don't like strategic ambiguity, Saddam, you got to get out of Kuwait. And so that sort of, and Angelo Cotevilla back in the 90s, he's since passed, uh, but he wrote some great pieces, not all of which I agreed with, but some really thought-provoking pieces on just how badly we may have precipitated the Iraqi invasion by not directly telling Saddam in 1990, don't even think about invading Kuwait. Yeah, I remember that's right. That's right. There was a signal sent the year before. Was it by someone named April? April April Gillespie. April Gillespie was the the U.S. ambassador, and she was vamping because she didn't have written directives from the State Department. So she was sort of trying to figure out how she can maneuver without actually committing the U.S. to any kind of, uh, you know, movement. But she didn't realize that when she sat down with Saddam and Tariq Aziz, they were going to pull the trigger after that meeting, unless she said explicitly, the president of the United States is not wanting you invading. But when she said it is not America's uh, you know, role to have any kind of opinion on inter-Arab fights, 
Tariq Aziz, who was very intuitive of Western culture, he told Saddam, that means the Americans are leaving the door open for us to go. They'll be okay with it. And, of course, we weren't. And so my concern has always been with strategic ambiguity as it relates to Taiwan, that by us being ambiguous the way we've been, we're actually inviting the Chinese military buildup that will inevitably lead to them invading Taiwan because they figure the Americans are so corrupt, we bought out their elite so much, they're so economically and financially dependent on China that it would be suicide economically for them to ever stop us. And so they're going to just look the other way while we invade Taiwan. And much to Biden's credit yesterday, he actually said, no, if you do this, we will be at war. But of course, less than 24 hours later, the true power, Elon Musk was right. He said it's not President Biden who's in charge. It's whoever's writing his speeches for the teleprompter that's in charge. The true power came out and said, disregard what President said. Right. That's not right. And that's creating a whole lot of problems for us because our allies are looking at us going, you guys can't be trusted, and our enemies are feeling empowered. You know, it's 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 um, if you go back to the April Glossby, uh, what was that? Nineteen ninety, I want to say. Yeah, nineteen ninety. Uh, her her statement. She was known as kind of one of these State Department. Uh, Foreign Service forever Arabist types yep. and a deep state at the at the State Department is what I, I would call them. Yep. And 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 one of the things I have always worried about with that level of employee, that level of tenured State Department effort is they just simply have never understood. I don't know if they studied and dismissed it, but they never understood ideology. They yes. never understood what kind of makes Saddam Hussein or anyone else right. tick? They think it's all about power balances and see the way and see the world right. the way we think they see it. They never yes. did, and I think people like her, State Department types, they miss these things. I think they miss yes. them. Can we come back on that? I want to yeah. talk a little bit more about Taiwan, which, by the way, gets us to your piece in American Greatness as well. The Chinese yes. Communist Party's terrorist attack on America. Great headline in American Greatness Thank just you. published, you bet, published yesterday. I'm Seth Liebson. He's Brandon J. Weikert. You can follow him on Twitter at WeTheBrandon, and we'll be right back. Are you depending on your investments for your retirement income? Huge market downturns the past few weeks can rob you of your retirement income. The Fed is raising interest rates, and Wall Street is reacting with huge daily swings. Investments in retirement funds are losing money at record rates, which is why diversifying your investments with physical gold from the Midas Gold Group could be a good idea because gold traditionally holds its value. When economies fail, I recommend calling Midas Gold Group to talk about safeguarding your wealth with physical gold. Don't wait until inflation or a recession robs you of your savings or liberal policies damage financial markets even further. Protect yourself and your family with the only precious metal dealers I trust, the veteran-owned Midas Gold Group. Check them out at MidasGoldGroup.com. That's MidasGoldGroup.com. Brandon J. Weikert is our guest. He is the publisher of the Weikert Report, columnist, Washington Times, Asia Times, American Greatness, author of several books, including Winning Space and the upcoming book, The Shadow War. Brandon, just that point I was making about the deep state at the State Department and our foreign policy and how they miss so much. Of course, intelligence agencies have their 
have their share of the blame, too, although I think the mental infection applies to the intelligence agencies, too. Would you say a word about this? Well, yes. First of all, these people in the foreign policy establishment for either party spend their whole lives in that very cloistered sort of, you know, existence. Uh, They are obscured from the rest of, of the country. They're not really accountable, as we saw with Peter Strzok. They're not really accountable to voters. There's their, you know, they're their own entity, and they have their own predilections, and they have their own opinions. And when they organize and work together, uh, these interlocking bureaucracies can really, really affect negatively the internal stability and politics of the United States. Um, furthermore, in the case of April Glaspie, who we were talking about before, uh, and everyone like her, um, these people spend their entire career studying a specific area or region of the globe, and yet when it comes down to the act, actual like decision-making time, when it comes down to brass tacks, get up or shut up, um, these people fail every time. They've spent their lives studying Iraq in the case of, of Glaspie, and she got it all wrong when it mattered. Uh, you know, our China experts spent their lives studying China, and for 50 years, or more than that, actually, going back to Truman, uh, you know, the, the, the loss of China then to the Reds, we've gotten it all wrong. Same thing with Russia. Everybody was wrong about Russia. Everybody was wrong about the war on terror. So it's, it is this insane sort of bubble wherein you've got, you know, a million people with clearances walking around the place thinking that they're holier than God, and yet... They are consistently and categorically wrong when it matters. And that should scare the heck out of every American. Because if you or I or anybody in, real, in the real world in any other sector of the economy, if they were as consistently well-funded and provided for professionally and yet still consistently so wrong, they'd be fired at the very least. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Wendy Sherman would be part of this school, wouldn't she? I was thinking of her as well. I was thinking of her as well, absolutely. You get a sense of it a little bit. I don't know if you ever saw the movie Charlie Wilson's War. Oh, yeah. But you get a good sense of it, you know? You get a sense of these people that just don't want to do anything. They meet, you know, they... they uh, Gus, they're collecting a pension. Right. Gust and, and Charlie Wilson go and meet with that ambassador in the Foreign Service, and he says, no, quit making waves. That's not how we do things mm-hmm. around here. It's basically... Basically about managing decline. That's basically how mm-hmm. I view it. Yes, yes, exactly right. And um, that is uh, that is the critical difference between people like me, uh, who have also spent most of our professional lives in foreign policy, but never drank that Kool-Aid. It's also, though, a problem culturally. When you live in Washington, D.C., you have more in common with the people living in, in uh, Brussels than you do Bismarck. Uh. You have more in, you know, more in common with, you know, with, with Londoners and Parisians than you do uh, with people living in Toledo, Ohio. Is and this one of these reasons, is, by is the way, is this one of the reasons we look at Davos with such a skeptical eye? Who's we? You and me. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yes. Uh, I was going to say, the elite. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. No, you but, asked the you right know, question. Yeah, No, you did. You did. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad you did. I, and, and I think, I think it, it, that, that question highlights how uh, distinct and separate our elite who, who purport to govern us have become from those they want to govern. And that's never a healthy situation. And now you have these pronouncements being made at Davos that you know 
they sound crazy and they sound insane and people chuckle at them like this woman from Australia yesterday or this morning who was talking about that people in Australia just have way too much civil liberties for their own good. Yeah. Well, she's a senior <laughs> advisor to the government there. And you know that those suggestions she's making in that panel discussion, that's not just academic talking points. Those are going to be implemented at some point in Western countries, yeah. countries that are supposed to uphold the rule of law and freedom of speech. Yeah. Yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. Let's go over a little bit further to your piece uh, invoking Taiwan again and certainly China. Uh, an American Greatness published yesterday, the Chinese Communist Party's terrorist attack on America. A lot of us thought there was something a little odd that on a weekend of two civilian attacks, only one got attention. But we yep. didn't even really begin to scratch the surface of the one not getting attention, did we? Right. No, no. Everybody's obsessed about the Buffalo attack with the white nationalist who was also uh, environmentalist. He's a big global warming believer, so I don't really know how that's necessarily Just a disturbed right young man. I, You know, right. look, Just we can right. plumb that dark hole all we want. Right. We won't and get so, anywhere. So but there is, a, there, is, there is something to look at in California, though. Right, that's what I'm saying. Everybody's fixated on that in Buffalo. But the real concerning one, not to denigrate the people who died in no, Buffalo, but the real concerning thing was the attack by a, 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 a man from born in mainland China who lived in Las Vegas for the last 28 years, but was an upstanding member of a, of a communist Chinese party-affiliated international group that had a major chapter in Las Vegas where this man lived, Chow. And he was so irate and so hateful of the idea of Taiwanese independence, that he got a handgun and a chain, and he drove to a large Taiwanese-American uh, church service in L.A., outside of L.A., and he chained the door shut, and he opened fire on the Taiwanese-Americans, mostly elderly Taiwanese-Americans, who were there for church services worshiping on Sunday. And if it wasn't for the heroic actions of a 53-year-old doctor who took his mother to that church service, a 53-year-old doctor who had two young children of his own, who was killed by this man, if it wasn't for that doctor seeing what was going on when the, the, the attacker was chaining the door closed and jumping on him and stopping him from killing more, uh, you know, we would have had a much higher body count. And the, the, the key thing that everyone's overlooking that the international press is not. Oh, that's a wait, 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 wait. The, the, the key thing. Let's let's use that as a tease. Let me let me hit the commercial break. Let's pick up on the key thing that everyone's missing because this shooter had a manifesto too. Funny you don't hear about it. I'm Seth Liebson. He's Brandon Weikert. Portions of the show brought to you by the good people of Balance of Nature. Balanceofnature.com for their fruits and veggies. 100% natural, pure, potent plant power. I take it every day, a blend of 16 whole fruits and 15 whole vegetables to keep your immunity boosted, your health high, and your energy strong. Balanceofnature.com, their fruits and veggies. Discount code BALANCE. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. Brandon J. Weikert is our guest on uh, this uh, church uh, shooting in California. Brandon, you were just about to say uh, this alleged shooter, David Chow, there was something additionally interesting about him um, that many people seem to want to ignore. Go ahead, he sir. Sent out yeah. a seven, he sent out a 
seven-page manifesto to the media, and it was entitled, it had this bizarre title about he was an avenging angel against Taiwan or against independence. And it was seven pages of him very lucidly writing about his opposition to Taiwan's existence as an independent and free country. And what I looked at this and I said, this is possibly not just a one-off lone wolf crazy man. This might be something bigger. He's part of an organization, the Las Vegas chapter, which is an international group. It, is, it, has a, it has a chapter in every major city almost around the world, and it is funded and coordinated by the Chinese Communist Party based in Beijing. So this is a possible fifth columnist operating here. And so what my questions are for the FBI, if they would stop looking for Russian ghosts under every bed in Mar-a-Lago and labeling parents at PTA meetings as terrorists, if they'd stop doing that for a second, and they would start looking at this kind of attack, my question is, the FBI, could you please use your massive power to determine whether or not this man and his organization that he was a part of were in any way part of a larger conspiracy to conduct a larger, more protracted, escalating wave of terrorism across this country as time progresses. We saw this with al-Qaeda throughout the 90s. Al-Qaeda started attacking us throughout the world, and we never put the pieces together. What we thought were one-offs and what we thought were sort of these isolated incidents were actually part of an escalating decade-long uh, uh, offensive using terrorism as a tactic against the United States. It escalated from 93 bombing the Trade Center, didn't work, so then they tried to do the planes plot where they tried to blow up all these planes over the ocean. Then they did the, uh, the various embassy attacks escalating to 2000 when they struck the USS Cole, and then eight, eight months or a year later, the coup de grace, 9-11. And so my question is, was this attack actually a one-off? Or given the political underpinnings of this, this man's attack, and given what's going on between the United States and Taiwan right now, I mean, the United States and China over Taiwan right now, is there a larger terrorism plot at play? Will we see more greater attacks uh, conducted by elements of this group? What is the FBI doing to find out and possibly disrupt this kind of terrorist attack? And lastly... Uh, what exactly are the linkages between the organization that the shooter was a part of uh, and China? Is it just affiliated, or are they receiving direct orders from uh, Beijing the way that the fifth columnists uh, in, the, in the 1930s and 20s were receiving from uh, Stalin and the, uh, the, the, the Soviet Union and the KGB? So these questions need to be, be, they need to be answered. And so far, as you noted before the break, we know more about this one-off Buffalo attack than we do about the actual terrorist attack with real foreign political objectives uh, uh, that happened in, in California. And we could end up being right smack dab in the middle of a new wave of terror, only this time not Islamist terror, but CCP-funded terror. And that is scary. I want to return to all the analogies and this uh, tract from the PLA called Unrestricted Warfare, which does go exactly. into this. I want to get into that in a moment. But just to point out the interesting irony of the lives we live, Brandon, 
the terror attack, the, yeah, sure, why not? The attack in Buffalo, the attack in Buffalo, everyone had to say this can't be a lone wolf. This is part of a much broader white supremacist um, uh, confrontation. The one in California, which has all the earmarks of not a lone, lone wolf, is the one they want right. us to think is a lone wolf and a one-off. So let right. me take another quick break, if I can. We'll have a longer cool. segment coming in. But that's kind of a question I wanted to ask you a little bit. Tell us a little bit more about this un, unrestricted warfare book that the PLA, the People's Liberation Army put out, China, China's military. And if there is a series of sleeper cells here sympathetic to or working at the on behalf of the CCP, it would be impossible to know how to uh, how how big it is, but what would be a what would be a guesstimate? We'll talk to Brandon J. Weikert about all of that when we come back. We will be right back. Little Dion Demucci there. If you're looking for a great investment opportunity with a equally great return for investors, check out my friends at Y. Refi. They are my friends. I know their business and I know them well. They offer a fixed no load interest rate up to 10.25% for investors, all in a collateralized and secure portfolio. Why Refi is a due diligence approved firm run by great people who are doing great by helping others. And you can too. They're in the business of helping people dig out of debt and doing so the right way, doing the right thing to pay off their debts with dignity, even seeing massive FICO score recovery along the way. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then R-E-F-Y.com. Or call them at 855-316-3087. Do good by doing good. Do well by doing well. Do well by doing good. Check them out. Investyrefi.com. Brandon J. Weikert is our guest. Brandon, um, this idea of CCP uh, sleeper cells in America. I mean, we do have something on the order of over 300,000 Chinese in America just in our schools and universities. It is not a far-fetched thought to worry about this, especially when we have seen, my gosh, the Solwell stuff, when we saw the stuff going on, the Clintons. And, of course, they are advertising that this is part of their strategy. The PLA has a book called Unrestricted Warfare. Right, right. And that was published in the West in 1999. Albert Santoli, a professor from the IWP Institute of World Politics, where I went, he was in the Philippines and he got his hands on the Chinese uh, manuscript and he had it translated uh, into English and so that's how we have the English version uh, it was originally exclusively for Chinese audiences specifically the Chinese military um, and it is a strategic doctrine that was created by two senior colonels in the People's Liberation Army in 1996 they were attached to the PLA uh, forces that were uh, shelling or sending uh, rockets across the Taiwan Strait when Taiwan was threatening to elect a pro-independence president. This became the Taiwan Strait Crisis in 1996, and how it ended was the, the Clinton administration sailed two U.S. aircraft carriers through the Taiwan Strait, and the Chinese military quickly realized that two, at that time two U.S. aircraft carriers with their air wings could probably destroy China's coastline in a matter of hours and so they had to stand down. They were deeply humiliated. But what happened was two senior colonels who were part of those, those exercises 
uh, went through, after, did an after-action report and said, well, this is how we could conceivably defeat America's seemingly unbeatable conventional military using unconventional asymmetrical warfare and fighting not only against military targets, but civilian soft targets as well, hence unrestricted warfare. And that, that uh, 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 book has been the backbone of China's military strategy since the late, the late 90s, early 2000s. Uh, and uh, it, is, it is still very important and a key pillar of China's military strategy today. Uh, and in that book, uh, the two senior colonels outlined six or seven different tactics they could use to sort of defeat the United States or prevent the United States from being able to bring its full military power to bear against a potential Chinese invasion of Taiwan. One of the first things they listed is terrorism. Yeah. And now, mind you, this is before 9-11. They mentioned terrorism, lawfare, using the, the laws of the United States as a tool against the United States, uh, uh, using uh, political warfare, public diplomacy, uh, you know, shaping perceptions, propaganda war, uh, space, cyber, all of that is listed, electronic warfare, electromagnetic warfare. Um, and so when you look at that, that doctrine that they wrote and you look at what's going on and you, you see that this gentleman who, or I should say gentleman, it's like this, this horrible person who shot up the church in, in L.A., he was not a lone wolf acting out of derangement, though he may have been deranged. He was clearly committed to a political cause, and he was part of a group that is, takes its marching orders or at least receives some kind of affiliation with the Chinese Communist Party. And as you look at the escalating tensions between the U.S. and China over Taiwan, you have to think, my God, maybe China's following this unrestricted warfare playbook, and they're starting to use these sleeper cells to launch terrorism attacks against the homeland of the United States in an effort to confuse and stymie us when the inevitable hammer drops on Taiwan, which I suspect may be sooner than we like to think. You know, Brent, Brandon, in the previous segment, you outlined um, a series of al-Qaeda attacks on the United States. You started with 93 in the First World Trade Center. You talked about the African uh, the American embassies in Africa. You talked about the USS Cole. And over and over again, um, it was Hezbollah, but we could inject the 1996 Kobar Towers at the same time. We could inject a yeah. few other terrorist acts here and there. But the long story there to me is that um, al-Qaeda kept saying, do you hear us yet? We, yes, we, we did exactly. not respond to any of that, any of it until exactly. 9-11. Do we have your attention yet? OK, we'll escalate. Do we have your attention yet? Right. No, we'll escalate. Right. And I just wonder if there's something you might want to say in our last minute and a half together about what it means when the United States, what the signal is to the enemy when the United States doesn't respond to incipient uh, domestic terrorism. It's that we can, uh, it's that they can walk all over us because we're not paying attention. We're weak. We're decadent. Remember Pearl Harbor. The Japanese struck us in large part because they believed one big blow against the Americans. We were so fat and decadent in their eyes that we would wither after that blow. Yeah. They were not anticipating us standing up. 9-11, uh, it's the same thing. Bin Laden 
was hoping that the Americans would bleed so badly that we would pull out of the Middle East and and prompt. Uh, I, I remember Khalid Sheikh Mohammed yeah. said we took their breath away right, with our exactly. response. Yeah. And so the yeah. Chinese, the same thing. Yeah. They're looking at it, I think, maybe, and saying, hey, the Americans aren't responding to these unconventional attacks. We can escalate there to such a point that we stunt and stymie their ability to deploy or their willingness to deploy forces to protect Taiwan, giving us a window to invade Taiwan and take the island that we've wanted to take for 60 years. Brandon, uh, we didn't get a chance to focus a bunch on Iran today. There is some stuff coming out about that. Maybe we'll reserve it for next. uh, Well, I guess we'll have Memorial Day next Monday, but we'll figure something out either later this week or something next week. Sure. Okay, brother. Well, listen, thank you very much for everything. God bless you. you. I just your 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 brain and your help and your ability to communicate and teach this stuff is non-parial, sir. Non-parial. Thank you. You're very kind. You betcha. Brandon Weicker, Godspeed to you. I'm Seth Leibson. When we come back, we'll do the first of our submissions for our Memorial Day week as we commemorate uh, those who gave the ultimate sacrifice. And, of course, thanks to our great sponsor, Bill Luke Automotive. I'm Seth. We'll be right back. Welcome back. As we get ready for uh, the Memorial Day weekend, we have asked you to submit stories about people you have known, either in your family, friendships, or otherwise, who paid the ultimate sacrifice. To this moment, we're going to honor Commander Howard Gilmore. His Medal of Honor citation reads, For conspicuous gallantry and trepidity at the risk of his life above and beyond the call of duty as chaplain of the 3rd Battalion in connection with operations against enemy forces. In response to reports that the 2nd Platoon of M Company was in danger of being overrun by a massed enemy assaulting force, Lieutenant Capodano left the relative safety of the company command and ran through an open area raked with fire directly to the beleaguered platoon. Disregarding the intense enemy, small arms, automatic weapons, and mortar fire, he moved about the battlefield, administering, administering last rites to the dying, giving medical aid to the wounded. When an exploding mortar round inflicted painful multiple wounds to his arms and legs and severed a portion of his right hand, he steadfastly refused all medical aid. Instead, he directed the corpsmen to help their wounded comrades and, with calm vigor, continued to move about the battlefield as he provided encouragement by voice and example to the valiant Marines. Upon encountering a wounded corpsman in the direct line of fire of an enemy machine gunner positioned approximately 15 yards away, Lieutenant Capodano rushed a daring attempt to aid and assist the mortally wounded corpsman. At that instant, only inches from his goal, he was struck down by a burst of machine gun fire. By his heroic conduct on the battlefield and his inspiring example, Lieutenant Capodano upheld the finest traditions of the U.S. Navy. He gallantly gave his life in the cause of freedom and joins so many others who have as well. Thank you for that submission. Thank you for that life, all of you who know someone who has passed in the service of this country. Thank you all for keeping us free. I'm Seth Liebson. Monologue at the top of the next hour. Shauna Bullock in the news everywhere you turn. She'll be joining us as well. Don't go away. We'll be right back. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.